In the passage from Exodus today, we pick up the story not too long after the Israelites have been set free from Egypt. Since their time of, since the time of their deliverance, they traveled to Mara, where God turns bitter water into sweet, drinkable water, and then on to Elam, where there are 12 springs and 70 palm trees. However, this is not their final destination. So to get going again and wind up in the desert between Elam and Sinai. Here they experience the hardships of the desert and they respond with frustration. You brought us out here, Moses. If only we had died back in Egypt, we would at least have been full. Though the objects of their complaint are Moses and Aaron, they are really complaining against God. But the content of the people's murmuring at this point is legitimate. They are hungry and they need food. This is not the response of a whining, disobedient people. It is a normal human response. Thus, the problem is not that they're murmuring. The real issue is that they do not believe. And perhaps their lack of belief stems from the reality that they really do not know God enough yet to trust God. This reality is acknowledged in their victory song of praise in the previous chapter, where they sing that the Lord is a God like no other. To be like no other also means to be, in some degree, indescribable, unknown, not fully knowable. God's people do not fully understand who the Lord is or what God is able to do or that God is their ultimate provider beyond food and personal freedom. This problem of being misunderstood is a persistent one when looking at the record of God and God's people. Though God's people come to understand God as provider and deliverer, God is more than this and wants more for God's people. Yet there's still a disconnect. God is still hidden. And though many prophets and faithful Israelites try to bridge the gap through the years, they still do not fully know God. God finally comes to God's people in Jesus Christ. The Gospel of John is clear about this, straight out of the prologue. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. The Gospel according to John is also clear that the people are still confused. He was in the world, yet the world did not know him. It reads in the prologue. Add the narratives of Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman and other narratives along the way, and we see a consistent picture of human beings who misunderstand God and God's kingdom. The most recent is in this gospel. It is the feeding of the 5,000, which we heard last week. Jesus feeds the crowd with five barley loaves and two fish, after which the crowd wants to make Jesus king. They recognize Jesus as the prophet who has come into the world because they were given abundant provisions and recognize God's work in this. 
but their response demonstrates a very limited view about God. God is our provider, yes. God is our deliverer, yes. We see this going back to Exodus. But Jesus comes to us also so that the gap might finally be bridged, where we might understand God more fully, so that humanity might know truly who God is by believing in the one whom God sends. In this case, to believe means to commit your life to Jesus. It is not to believe in a new exposition of detailed commandments of the law, as Tom Wright might say, nor is it to give intellectual assent to a set of dodgy propositions, as Jeffrey might say, but it is to have a change of priorities and a change of heart. This is a shift of thinking for those who hear Jesus, including those who hear Jesus in 2012. We expect something more transactional. A prophet of God should be able to demonstrate this on demand. After all, God produced manna for Moses. But Jesus wants us to see more. God indeed can give us our fill. God does give us our fill. There is a reason why we ask for our daily bread. But our hearts are never truly at rest until we come to know God. Our souls are never satisfied unless we are united with God. And no matter what kind of wealth we have or how full we think we are, we will never be truly satisfied without God. And we find God in Jesus Christ. Jesus is offering to all who will follow a chance to know God, to be truly full and to live life with richness that God intends, no matter our current status in life. It is a life of abundance, of generosity, of peace, and of confidence in God's work in our lives and an assurance that all will be well. It is not a guarantee of an easy life, but it is a promise that all will be well for us. We participate in that promise by our response. We deepen our relationship in our worship, our studies, and the way we allow God to recreate us, to reshape us in this new age. Believing in Jesus is a lifelong endeavor which involves a shift of our values. It's a commitment. It looks a lot like our baptismal promises to continuing the teaching of the apostles and the fellowship, the breaking of bread, to proclaim the good news of God in Christ, to, to respect the dignity of every human being. But great fulfillment awaits those who work on these promises, who turn to God through Jesus. I went on a mission trip to Chicago about a week and a half ago with two of our teenagers, two weeks ago, with a group of our teenagers. And we spent time working with children during the day. And at night, we spent some time at community shelters. One place we went to was on the south side. It was called the Living Room Cafe, which provides restaurant-style meals cooked by volunteers. And they serve these meals to homeless or poor men and women and their families. 
this living room cafe offers other programs as well, all geared towards people who work, who are working towards stability in their lives by increasing their income or becoming uh, in situations of permanent housing. The manager of the cafe was a gentleman by the name of Jorge, and he was a diligent, hardworking, and friendly man. He was very happy and a very warm person. He and I spoke for a while, and he told me that he once had a good job in manufacturing and in, in plastics, that in, injection mold plastic. And it was a good job, and he had a good life, but he developed a drug problem, and his life spiraled out of control, and he became estranged from his children and his friends. And this problem led to his arrest and subsequent jailing six times. Each time he'd get out of jail, he would stay sober for a month or two, but succumb to this addiction and find himself back in the penitentiary. Yet here he was running the living room cafe with reliability, with care, with respect and love for those around him. And he has been sober for almost three years now. He said to me, you know what the difference is this time? I have Jesus. Jesus makes this all possible for me. Now I am content and I no longer feel the need to go back to my old life. I pray every day. I keep my Bible with me. I have a church community that cares for me. And now others have come to rely on me. And I check on them every day. Even my children are proud of me. They're proud of me again. It is because I have Jesus. Jorge is not a wealthy man and his life is not easy. Nor is it one of instant change. But his life is full. And he is happier now than he ever can remember. Because he knows himself as blessed. And he began to know this by putting his trust in and believing in the one whom God sends. This is what makes being Christian unique, makes us different than a mere service organization. Ultimately, any service organization offers something transactional and offers momentary happiness with the hope of long-lasting results. And we actually do that too whenever we engage in service-type work. There's nothing wrong with attempting to alleviate problems with money, with manpower, or with know-how. But Jesus offers us something more. Jesus offers a connection to God, an insight into God, which shapes us and reorients us and brings us to a fulfilling life. Jesus offers a kingdom life now and then empowers us to share that with others. This is what we are offered and what we are encouraged to make known in the world. It is truly the bread of life. Brothers and sisters, I pray that you continue to work towards this life of fulfillment, which begins by belief in and commitment to our risen Lord. This is a blessed place, and it has been a privilege to be with you all for the past four years. My wife, Carrie, my children, Amelia, Madeline, and Lucas, and I will miss you dearly. May you continue to bring good news into the world. And may God's blessing be with you always.